Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And we're back. Beautiful Sunday morning here. The sun's shining on the hills, and the hills are looking pretty green for the Phoenix. Anyway, we've got some lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, how to grow it, where to grow it, why to grow it, how to work with your irrigation system, why we water the way we do, any kind of uh, suggestions you have, we're all ears. Uh, well, let's see. Next up, we have Sharon, but you can be up after Sharon simply by calling Sharon. Shira at 602-277-5827. Good morning, Sharon and East Mesa. Sharon? I hope nothing's happened to Sharon. Perhaps she's listening on the radio. Sharon, I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll take you next. Uh, remember, folks, when you call in, just listen on your phone, and that way you can hear when we come back to you. Next up, we have Drayton in Memphis, Tennessee. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Pretty fair. How are you? I'm thankful. I'm here in the uh, the in the valley, hearing your show. What a great show! Well done. We have fun uh, my here. topic is water. Uh huh. Um, what are y'all going to do? Well, I'll tell you what we need to do, since you're from Memphis, Drayton. We need to put a dam on the Mississippi. You know, there's one way to fix the water problems for this country. It's dam the Mississippi, control the floods in the Mississippi, move water when you have floods to the west, and it fixes the problem. Now, whether we can get politicians, state, and the federal government to do the development on that that needs to happen. But, I mean, you're a great guy to call because, you know, Memphis is on the Mississippi, right? Well, that's exactly right. And I, I think we both can uh, can assume that that'll Damming the Mississippi will probably never happen. Well, you know There's what? A, it's, uh, it's for, there for... is an excellent book called Rising Tide. Rising Tide. It was about the flood of the Mississippi River in 1927. I highly encourage you to read it because it has a lot to do with uh, with our water story. Fortunately, in uh, Memphis, we're uh, we're thankful because we have a a fantastic aquifer that uh, that it's you know. It's just amazing. It's some of the sweetest water that uh, that's in the country. And we really are lucky because water is definitely an issue across America. With well, like, we need to Colorado look at it. As, you know, what it is. Yeah. I, uh, I just got to ask, how are you guys going to handle the Colorado River? Well, I mean, I, I think that my solution is the only one I know that can really work. I mean, one thing, when you grow up on a farm and you irrigate, yeah, like when you're down in the Mississippi, you see how you have floods and different things. That's why they build levees and dikes, you know. And it's the same Absolutely, reason why no we question. build ditches to move water when we're going to farm one road to another. Now, actually... Our farm ground here has been farmed longer than any place in North America. There's farm ground here in Arizona that's been farmed continuously for 4,000 years. And when it comes to irrigation and water management, and, you know, thank goodness to our predecessors that were here before us, and then to good people like the Salt River Project and the farmers that came here in the 1800s and redeveloped everything, you know, we have pretty phenomenal management here already. And the CAP was another step in that direction. But, you know, what's happened has been that people don't realize it's not even been 
been the lack of rainfall and snow. It's been the fact that with global warming, we're getting about 60% of the water that we used to get because we're losing so much more that's going off in fog and evaporation, you know, out of the forest and before it gets to the dam. So, you know, there's just things that have to be changed. And if we're going to deal with a national issue like water, it should be dealt with on a national level. And, you know, these politicians can spend a lot of time arguing about things that don't make a lot of difference. But, you know, this country and the world, you know, lives on fresh water. And we have plenty in North America, but we don't manage it very well, you know, nationwide. But you know, I, I got to say, we do a good you. job here, though. Just uh, kind of amazed that um, I was in the cotton business for uh, for 18 years, and I know well the, uh, the the cotton story here in Arizona, and I know the the men and women that uh, that farm that ground or used to farm that ground. I guess now they uh, they grow houses, but anyhow, uh, they're some of the finest stewards I've ever met in my entire life. And uh, they don't fool around. You guys are some of the best water managers I have ever seen, far better than we are in the uh, what we call the Mid-South. Well, necessity's always been the you know, mother of invention. You know, when, it, when you have really? to do something, you have to do it. But, you know, for us to farm here, and like I say, it's been farmed here for a long, long time. And our cotton yields here were phenomenal with our irrigation. But uh, you know, it's, not pra- it's not practical anymore to grow cotton here the way it was. The prices are low. It's the biggest problem. You know, but uh, you can't make the well, money they this, did. Uh, not the past couple of years. They've been, uh, they've been outstanding, but there's uh, more profitable ways to use the ground and they always will uh, will vote, you know, because it's a gamble, as you well know better mm-hmm. than anybody on this on the radio show. Now, it's a gamble, and so they're going to do it a gamble for uh, for the best possible return on their investment. And well, the risk that they take. Well, and it's certainly a lot easier to grow houses one time than to farm every year. You know, so. <laughs> Absolutely, no question. That arguably, that's the uh, that's the time that a farmer will uh, will truly get a uh, a return on their investment not <laughs> well thanks for the call you know we, we need some help from some some easterners to build this uh you know because it would really help a lot of what's happening with the drought in the mississippi as well and uh i just don't know how we get people with the wherewithal and the moxie to you know to build you know reservoirs in kansas and do the things and, and build you know dams on the mississippi but you know, when you look at where the Mississippi runs down the middle of the country and and the amount of floods you have and droughts you have there, like we have out in the West, too, you know, if we could tie the systems together, it's sure a lot more practical than trying to pump water out of Mexico. <laughs> well, I, I I could not agree with you more. I wish that uh, that more people understood. And I think that they will, because at the end of the day, um, I think water is the new oil and there will be fisticuffs claiming that uh that that water and we're already seeing that uh the event here in scottsdale how they shut off a uh their neighbors warned them say look guys you're not going to get our water in a year pay attention and nothing happened well, you know, we had to send the National Guard over to fight California one time here, too, just over the Colorado River. So, you know, these things are never going to get settled easy. But, you know, the the key is is to move water where it's needed. And, uh, you know, you're not going to make water. And, and desalinizing water is way too expensive. And uh, and we do have, you know, you know, this year has been phenomenal. You know, with the snowfall we have, you know, in the Rockies, you know, from Utah to Colorado to northern Arizona, you know, we're above average. You know, we're going to fill our reservoirs here. You know, you can check with SRP. And those 
those guys, but it looks like we're going to be at 100% capacity, you know, here by the end of the seasons, which is fantastic. And this, this all worked fine, but I was watching that movie this morning at two o'clock that was filmed up in Carefree in 1970 and looking north to the valley from Carefree, there wasn't a house for 20 miles, you know, and, uh, so there's a lot more of us here today than we're here before, and we're going to have to manage it and keep managing it. Well, I've been coming out here for uh, for over thirty years, and uh, the I mean the growth has just been spectacular, really spectacular. Well, Drayton, thanks for the call, and have have a good day. Hey, good luck out here, buddy. Take uh, care. Love what you're doing, and love what you're. Uh, well, what you're we I have do. a lot of faith in mankind and people. You know, I think that uh, I uh, we can I work together that, and solve uh, our problems. I completely agree. I do believe in the uh, the power of the uh, the of the human spirit. No question. Well, have a nice Sunday. And like Drayton. you said, necessity is the uh, the mother of invention. So clearly, we need what uh, what we need. Yep. Well, have a great day, man. Thank you. Bye bye, uh, Sharon and East Mesa. Good morning, Sharon. Yeah. Good morning. Hi. Hi. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about the mix up. That's okay. We've got you live, and you're here. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, my question is, uh, we purchased a uh, fruit-bearing olive tree a couple of years ago from your Gilbert store, and we're not seeing any sign of olives yet. Should we be? How large is the tree, Sharon? Um, how large do you think the tree is now, Jack? About eight feet. That's about the age when it should start to bear. Um, okay. Did the tree have a label on it? Do you hear that, Jack? Does the tree have a label on it? I did it. It might probably be gone by now. Did it have a label on it? Not that he yeah, remembers. Anyway, we've had some fruit bearing olives, but it, it's um, it's pretty hard to tell from the foliage. We you know we sell two fruitless varieties, and then we uh-huh. have had some different fruiting submissions and some different ones, uh-huh. uh, the fruiting varieties as well. But that's about the age where it should start to bear. So okay, you should see really- flowers on it in March. Uh-huh. And um, and then it should have some fruit that'll set, you know, after the flowers. And uh, it might be the birds and things if you just have a few on there taking them off. But if you see it flower, it should flower in March. And then you should have okay. some little trees, little fruit set in April. Okay. Well, it looks pretty healthy. It's not uh, not struggling in any way. So we'll watch for that then. Well, Sharon, thanks for the call and your patience as well. Okay, Sorry thank you. Love Sarah. your okay. show. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Charlene. But if you'd like to be up after Charlene, all you have to do is give Shira a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827. 277-KTER. We'll be right back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Oh, it's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy, you're still young, that's your fault, there's so much you have to know, find a girl, settle down, if you want, you can marry, look at me, I am old, but I'm happy, oh I was once like you are now, and I know that it's not easy, to be calm when you found something going on. But take your time, think a lot. Why think of everything you've got? For you will still be here tomorrow, but your dreams may not. 
go. song to hear him sing as he gets older. Welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we do have two lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Uh, let's see, got to get the right order here. Next up, we have Charlene. Good morning, Charlene. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. Before I ask you a question, I have to tell you, you have a huge fan club. Um, my mother, Elizabeth, is over the moon with you. She's been <laughs> listening to you for years, and she's been to your shop. So just know that every weekend, both Saturday and Sunday, she's listening. And so just know that. And my question is, is it too late for me to plant uh, kale seeds for this year? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you're, you're by the time you get the seed up now, you know, you'd have it, say, a little germ in a week. Um, it, it's You're going to push into March, you know, before you have any chance to harvest anything. So it, it, it depends on our weather. You know, we've had an extremely cool January. Not freezing cold, but cool. And uh, if it persists and we have cool weather, you could probably make a crop. But traditionally, you wouldn't be planting it from seed this late. All right, so maybe just buy some seedlings and try it that way, maybe. You'd have a better, you know, but if you want to, you know, there's, there's, you never say never on the show. And I mean, I've, I've been around a lot of people, and they'll always should be wrong. So, you know, if you wanted to start it like indoors and germ it like in some Jiffy Pots or something, not trying to plant it right in the garden, but, you know, germ it in some pots where you could keep it warm so you could get it up faster, uh, you, you might be able to do that. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see next we have Kathleen in Phoenix good morning Kathleen good morning Brian yes say two questions what are good plants for a small windowless bathroom small windowless windowless makes it kind of kind of tough so you have only artificial light right yes I, you know I, I really like metal better than plastic but sometimes some carved wood can be pretty neat, too. Now, uh, realistically, you're going to have to go really low light. And, um, you know, you, you can just come in. It's going to be hard to find houseplants that are going to be that low of light. And and certainly don't try ferns because they're going to want a lot of light. But um, yeah, like a little parlor palm, you know what those are? It's a little no. miniature palm. Anyway, it's a it's a little tiny palm that, that kind of stays tight and small, and it'll take a lot. Uh, San Severia can actually take pretty low light, you know. And if you come in, we'll have a lot of different things that work. But it, when you have you know literally no light, so you're going to have to leave a light on in the bathroom probably at least six or eight hours a day to help the plant out. Oh, okay. They're about twelve, fifteen feet away. I do have a uh, slider door, you know, six feet across or so. So if I kept that open, would that be enough light to reach into well, the it, bathroom? Well, it's going to be hard. I mean, you're going to have to leave okay. a light on. Light on. Some, some, you know, all plants are going to need some light. You know, and if you, okay. come, if you come into any one of our stores and uh, in the greenhouses, we have some things that are pretty low light. But that's, you know, you're asking a lot when you're going to put it. You're going to have to at least leave the light bulb on some artificial light for you know, at least six hours a day or so. 
Oh, okay. And taking them out once on the weekends. <laughs> Take them for a walk. You can put them in your wagon and walk down the street with yeah. them and, and talk. Then they'll get sunburned because we're so bright. No, they're going to, oh. <laughs> you know, if you wanted something in there for a party to last for a week or two at a time, you could torment and keep in the kitchen in a, you know, a window. The rest of the time, you'd be fine. But uh, for something to be in there for the long term, it's going to be difficult. Okay. 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 Thanks. And the second... Pardon me? No, go ahead. Oh, um, I drain my laundry water using a swimming pool back hose uh, to my yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's an excellent way to recycle water. I mean, the gray water okay. out of our homes, I mean, you know, from catching the water like my cousin Joe does down in the desert. He lives, you know, in Sarita, south of Tucson, and they have a well that puts out two gallons a minute. So for him to be able to grow plants in his yard, they have cisterns that they capture all the water that runs off the roof, and they use that to water all their plants, and they have a pretty big metal roof and capture a lot of water. The gray water out of your um, shower water, you know, or laundry mm-hmm. water, that's all great to use. And, you know, some houses have been set up here historically. Now, now, the cities also do a pretty fine job of recycling our water, too. But um, doing it at your own level is, is fine. And it's going to be, you know, mostly beneficial to your plants. And water's pretty much water. Oh, that's encouraging to hear. I have been doing it for at least a year and a half or um, two, and I have not seen damage. So, Well, no, and actually uh, the phosphates in, in some of your, um, you know, here, because it's not going to leach off, but the phosphates in some of your soaps and things are actually beneficial to your plants as well. So, you know, it works great for watering trees. Where we grew up in Sunny Slope, um, we always used our, our wash water for uh, watering our citrus trees. Oh, perfect. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Kathleen. Bye-bye. Good day. Uh, Mike in Phoenix. Good morning, Michael. How are you, sir? Good morning. Great, Mike. I have to preface this by telling you I'm a complete novice when it comes to plants. Uh, I was raised to think if you pull it out and it grows back, it's a weed. If you water it and it dies, it's a plant. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no green thumb whatsoever. But what I'd like to do, I live in an apartment. And uh, first of all, thank you for having the show. And kudos to the young lady that answered the phone, the unsung hero of the talk show. So, <laughs> good deal. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to, I live in an apartment, and I wanted to plant some, I love cherry tomatoes and, and maybe some, I don't know, strawberries. I'm completely ignorant to it, cucumber, whatever. But what would you recommend this time of year? I know there's certain seasons for certain fruits and vegetables and so on. Well, this is a really, this is right at the beginning of our spring season. So tomatoes and peppers okay. are really easy. If you like cilantro, you know, that's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes, you know, in apartments, you might not have room to grow a big vining plant and cucumbers and, uh, you know, watermelons and that kind of thing might get bigger and a little more out of control than you might like. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you have a a southern or eastern patio that uh, gets a fair bit of light, um, you can grow all those things pretty easily. And, you know, we're typically looking after, you know, our last frost date is February 15th, which is normal. And it can still freeze after that, but usually doesn't. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you could plant any time now through February. Um, larger containers work really well, you know, for a patio. Right. And uh, if you okay. want to keep peppers and tomatoes on a patio, um, you know, sometimes you can keep the uh, tomatoes year, you know, through the summer. But peppers and, like, eggplant, you can keep through the summer and keep them for two or three years. Oh, fantastic! Wow, very good, very good. And I, cause that's right on my—it's right in my alley. The whole, the whole peppers, cucumber. Well, uh, what about cucumbers? You didn't mention those. Well, cucumbers you're going to need too? some support for. Okay, and they're going to vine out right. and get bigger. So, if you wanted to put them okay. in a large container and just build like a trellis, or even take like three bamboo posts and tie them together, you know, up at the top okay. and, and spread them out in there, so they've got some support, they'll do great. 
Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so very much. I love the show. I don't get an opportunity to listen very much. I, my schedule doesn't permit it, but this time I had a shot at it. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks. No, thanks for being part of the program, Mike. Have a nice weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Take care. Uh, Ed and Chandler. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, uh, uh, Brian. You know, last time we spoke, we talked about old times, and I forgot about the premise of my call to you. Uh, it, uh, I went to Wikipedia, and this is crazy. Uh, the Internet doesn't help you when it comes to uh, tree planting because it, there's so many different factors. But here in Arizona, with your recommendation on your 24-inch uh, potted uh, uh, laurel or ficus trees mm-hmm. for a hedge, how, can I fudge and go 30 inches versus 24 inches of I usually see on people's yards. As far as the spacing, you mean, or as far as yeah, the... Yeah, I'm sorry, the spacing, yeah. Can I, Absolutely. Can I, I mean, you, you could plant ficus trees if you want to, six feet apart, you know, and by pruning, have oh. them fill in. So you, you can space them anywhere you want to. And, uh, you know, it used to be with, like, the old the old thing we used to grow, I was always sour orange, and but we used to yeah. plant them from little bare roots, and we'd plant them six inches apart because they were cheap, and that's how we did them. You know, and then as you get to things like ficus trees, and now people want to, you know, hedge sooner, so if we're planting a 24-inch size ficus, Ficus tree. The tree is usually going to be a column. It's going to be at least twenty-four inches wide when you start. So I uh-huh. would say the closest on center I would plant them would probably be thirty-six inches. Oh, okay. So I was going to go thirty. Okay. Well, again, uh, when we spoke, we talked about old times, and I forgot about the premise of the call when I called you. So <laughs> last time. <laughs> well, you know, so, it's, oh. it, it's nice to, to grow up in a town here that we've seen change so much. You know, and I, I know who you are, and your, and your father was just such a big part of South Phoenix, and your family's been down there for so long, and and it's fun to reminisce. And uh, I had the good fortune of hanging out with your dad a few days, and really enjoyed it. It was fun. I'll tell you what. I just go old times talking to you. And hey, and thanks to, for the ripper, well, too, by the way. Okay. <laughs> that's pretty cool. It, it hasn't moved since we unloaded it, but that's how things work at Whitfield sometimes. That's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You take care, Brian. I, I had a grandfather who was a, like, like, a lot like your father. You know, He would tell you to go out in the grove, go down three trees, go over two rows, and look up in that tree, and you'll find what you're looking for. <laughs> There is one you can eat for three days. It's wonderful. <laughs> Take care, Ed. Appreciate the call. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye. Well, it looks like Troy's sleeping in here with the news again, so we'll find out what's happening in the world. We'll be right back after the after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we have the lovely Shira here on Phones and Music, and if you give her a call, you can be up next. The number to call is 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR. Maybe I as good as I should have Maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could have Little things I should have said and done I just never took the time You were always on my mind I never told you 
I'm so happy that you're mine. If I made you feel second best, girl, I'm so sorry I was blind. Uh, hey, it's, it's over 40, so that's, it's not, not bad. Anyway, we'll get right back to the phones. Next up, we have Steve over in Glendale. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Um, I was trimming up my um, grapefruit tree, and I discovered a uh, palm tree uh, right in the back of the um, grapefruit tree. And right now, I dug it up, and it's sitting in a five-gallon homie bucket. What What can I do with it? Well, you could, number one, throw it away. You could, number two, you can grow it in the bucket and grow a little palm tree out there. It's probably a Mexican or California pan. Those are the two most common to come up. Or you could plant it out if you have room to grow a tall palm tree. Uh, you could plant it out somewhere else in the ground. And it'll probably make the transplant. They're pretty hardy. And uh, when I was young with my grandparents' citrus grove, that's how I first started getting palm trees. I used to dig them out of the citrus orchard and transplant them and sell them at the fruit stand in front of our Glendale Avenue nursery. So... You know, it's easy to save it. It's probably a Mexican or California fan. Um, and if you dig it out when it's pretty small like that, it'll transplant very easy. You might want to leave it in the pot just to see how it does, for, you know, from now till probably about April and then plant it out in the ground. Okay, is there any um, fertilizer or, like, um vegetables to give it? Well, the one thing you could give it, you know, that's good for everything, is you could pick up a little bottle of Super Thrive which is for transplant shock, and put a little of that on there. And that's vitamins and hormones. It really does help with that. And the other thing is, if the fronds on it, how many leaves did you leave on the tree, Steve, and how tall is it? It must be about four foot tall. Okay. And how many leaves uh, did you leave on it? uh, I haven't taken anything off of it. I just took it from the ground and put it in a bucket with dirt. Okay. Just... Take off all the leaves of it, about three or four, okay? Leave those three or four leaves in the center. And if you'll cut the tops of the leaves, cut the frond in half, that's going to make it easier for it to transplant. So just cut the leaves in half and leave three or four on there. You could tie them together or not, but uh, if you'll cut, cut them all, you know, take them off all but three or four, cut the top of the leaves off, it'll do a lot better. Okay. That's what I want to find out. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Uh, Diana in Sun City. Good morning, Diana. Hi. Uh, my name's Diana, by the way. Um, I have, uh, living in Sun City, it's a lot of rock. So in the, I'm an Arizona girl. So I would like to switch the rock out and mulch the front with some interesting um, rocks and such. Mm-hmm. But um, how thick do I, can I put the mulch that I won't have a lot of uh, weeds and things. Or what, two, two or three what inches. So if you're going to use, yes, like a shredded bark or something, two or three inches, you know, we used to use a lot of organic material like that, a lot of bark back in the, you know, in the 70s, it was quite popular. We don't use much anymore, but uh, as a bark bark mulch like that, two or three inches, as long as it covers the ground, you won't be exposed to the sun. You shouldn't get any weed germination. Uh, Some things that are left around, if you have any Bermuda grass or anything, you're going to have to spray to eliminate. But, you know, for the most part, if you got two or three inches of a mulch cover, um, you're not going to get much germination from weeds 
Can I put it right on top of the rock, or do you recommend taking it out? Um, you could you could do it either way. It wouldn't wouldn't hurt. It could be mixed with the rock. I mean, basically, that's the same function of having you know the granite in there now, which is mostly what's used, and um, so it, it does kind of the same thing. Uh, the only difference is if yeah. when you get finer particles caught in in the mulch or in the in the rock, either one, you know, then weeds can germinate again. So you know, you're kind of using it for a cover. You could mix the two together. You could put it on top. You could take it off and put it down. And it's not going to make much difference. However, you like to do it. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your, your show, and um, I love my citrus, so he's <laughs> very helpful. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Rob in North Phoenix. Good morning, Rob. Hey there. Good morning. Uh, two two uh, short questions. Uh, this is the boxwoods, those thorny, broadleaf, uh, green uh, uh, boxwoods that uh, grow in the shrubbery. Mm-hmm. Trying to trim those back is now a good time because they kind of had grown all kind of wild when I. You know the the, the boxwood beauty natal plum. They have the pretty round leaf yeah. on them and a few thorns. Yes. Um, you don't want to prune them so back so far that you expose all the wood. Are they pretty old plants, Rob? Uh, they're pretty old, but I mean they're pretty. They're, they're super full. Mm-hmm. So what? What I've done at home to have them come back out faster, and it's a little early right now. You probably want to wait till the first of March. But if you reduce the plant size, you know, and leave some long stems up on the top um, to, to yes. basically feed it, but you reduce about two thirds of the plant. Take off what you want. Open that up so the sun's going to hit down below. Leave a few of those things. It's going to look a little odd for a few weeks, but leave the, some of those standing tall so that they're feeding the rest of it. And then once you see the buds pop on that wood that doesn't have any down below, then cut the top off. They'll come back a lot faster. So you want to do this in the growing season for them. And they're really not going to grow until it's about 80, 85 degrees. Okay. Okay. All righty. Sounds good. And uh, and now uh, and uh, those birds of paradise, Mm -hmm. uh, those can be cut down now. The Mexican birds, sure. I mean, you can cut them down anytime. They're not going to grow till it gets warm. So you just have to decide whether it looks better with or without them. And uh, if it looks better without them, just cut them off. Okay, because they were wild and out of control. So. Right, and they're, and they're not going to come back until it's you know, 85, 90 degrees, and then they'll grow real fast when it's 100. So you can cut okay. them as far as you like, but if they look better not being there, just cut them off right now. It's not going to hurt the plant any. Okay, and yeah, now I should leave some greenery. No, some, not on those. There's no, there's no reason to on those. Once it's hot, they, okay. they come back with a vengeance. I mean, they're they're not like that slow growing box of beauty natal plum. They're just you know what we would call a weed. <laughs> they're fast. Okay, right. If if that box would have had any trim and done on it already, do I have to protect it from any frost or anything? Well, if we have a freeze, you would. But you know, who knows if we're going to have a freeze or not? Some areas in town have had some you know minor freezes this year, and other has still been pretty frost free right okay and my lemons uh my lemons the tree's about three years old but it's produced a lot of lemons this year uh but i haven't found any juice to any of the lemons they're all beautiful but i haven't found any juice in them yet they're really uh, you know pulpy dry well, the ones on the outside of the tree, Rob, might be, you know, but on a young tree, if the fruit's on the outside, you know, and it gets sunburned, then it is pretty dry. And, uh, you know, okay. we've kind of really noticed we planted a 20-acre grove of Eureka lemons, and I'll never yeah. plant another Eureka lemon because they're, you know, they're, a lot of the fruit on the outside on the younger trees is definitely dry. And it's also really hard to tell from the good fruit on the inside, so we end up sending a lot more of it to juice than we would like to. But um, Oh, yes. But anyway, the ones on the 
the outside that are sunburned, they're, they're being dry. It's pretty normal. If you look into the interior of the tree and you see some that are still a little green, those will probably be pretty good already. Does that do any good to put a screen over those outside ones or to pluck those off earlier for a greater production on the inside? Well, the trees grow so fast on lemons anyway that, you know, as you get yeah. more size and maturity to the tree, you can always pick the outside ones out and toss them because they're typically, if they're out and sunburned on the outside, they're not going to be any good. You know, we harvest those mostly for juice and, uh, you know, because they'll never make a, you know, a good quality fruit. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, what, what, what kind? What is? What's the preference of lemon? What's the what preference? Well, we have. Well, we grow actually four varieties, but. Um, we grow a lot of Meyer lemons. That's a smoother, smaller lemon. Okay, and then we grow okay. a lot of Lisbon lemons, and that's uh, the bigger commercial lemon, like you'll see it in the store most of the time. And then we also grow the pink Eurekas, which are pink on the inside, really a beautiful color, kind of a salmon color on the outside. And uh, but okay. the yield on those isn't as good. And also, if we leave any fruit, you can't tell last year's crop from this year's crop, and they won't really drop. And they they keep flowering for different cycles. And then we do have some Eureka wow. lemons, and you know the quality on the interior fruit in the Eureka lemons is excellent, but because so much of the outside fruit gets burnt, I just don't think for us in a commercial you know, environment it's going to be as good. And then if you want the, the amazing lemon, you could grow a Ponderosa like Haas, and it's a great big thing that weighs about two pounds sometimes, and uh, oh. it's a huge lemon. It has a nice flavor, but it's just really big. Oh, my word. All right. Well, I sure appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have James in Mesa. Hello, James. Hello. How are you doing today, Brian? Excellent, sir. I've got a couple quick questions. What's the best time to trim citrus trees back? Uh, the best time to trim them is after the frost and before they start to grow. So usually mid-February, at, at, you know, by the 1st of March. Feb and March, okay. And then grafting, what is the best time for that? And do you, do you have classes on that? We'll be doing that this spring. And uh, the tree has to be actively growing. So if you want to, you know, bud onto trees, what we do is, uh, you know, put tea buds in. And we're going to usually do that when the tree's actively growing, starting about in May. So we'll do a class like the end of April, 1st of May, when the, when the wood's growing fast and it'll slip. And we'll do them that time of year. What one of your locations do you do the classes at? We do them at all the locations, and we'll announce it, you know, a week or so before we're going to do them on the on the on the show here. Or you can call on the, the, the nurseries to let you know when we're going to have the classes. And you know, a lot of times right. if you yeah. come by, if we're, if we're in there too, we could just kind of show you how to bud them. It's not uh, it's not super tricky, but it's easiest done when the tree's actively growing. There are ways to do them all kinds of year, all times of year and stuff. And well, I was just in a show down in Mobile, Alabama, talking to a citrus grower from Louisiana, believe it or not not and uh he had some really fun ideas and you know he'd been doing it with his grandfather like i had and neither one of us was very young so there's a lot of ways to skin a cat but uh you know the tea budding is the easiest and it's done when the tree's actively growing all right well thank you very much thanks james bye-bye you had a great day thanks Brian. you too uh we're going to take a short break we're going to come back with lucy and then scott and then it could be you the number to call 602-277-5827 277-KTAR for the whitfield nursery garden show here every sunday from seven to nine on 92.3 fm
It's beautiful Sunday out there. I'd like to take a moment and invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. If you need trees any kind, any size, from 15 gallons to 72-inch box. Yes, at Whitfield's you can buy time. We have trees. Now, some trees have been growing too long, but we have trees over 20 years old that we're growing here in production so that you can, you know, buy a little time in your life. We deliver plan guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. No jobs too big, none's too small. If you need a thousand trees for a development or one for your backyard, come out and see us. If you're looking for a Valentine's present, you know, we can get them planted for you before Valentine's Day. And yes, you can have your own lemonade or margaritas from your own trees. Anyway, our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue, we're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2640 East Southern Avenue. Southern Avenue is straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can go by our big farm in Stanfield. That's Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, we have time for a few more calls. If you'd like to get in, just give Shira a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KT. Lucy in Phoenix, good morning. Good morning. I have a question back to the lemons. Mm -hmm. You said the Eureka lemons you grow for juice. Well, no, we don't particularly grow them for juice. We're going to juice a lot more of our crop because the quality is not good enough to be sold in the retail market. So, Well, I... I make lemon curd, and mm-hmm. I found that the Meyer lemons give it a little bad aftertaste. So I think what I'm getting from my neighbor is the Lisbon lemon, and I can control it with a little bit of salt. Mm-hmm. What What is the main use for the Lisbon lemon? No, that's the most common lemon grown here in the desert. So if you go to and, any of our partners, like if you go to Whole Foods or Sprouts or Bashes or, you know, the one that sells the most in Towns Food City, but we grow those lemons here in Arizona and, and all those stores, Albertson Safeway, uh, they all take lemons from us. So we ship lemons to all those stores. And what you're going to mm-hmm. find in the store, um, you know, occasionally we'll ship them a few Eurekas. But for the most part, when, when you buy a regular lemon, you're buying a Lisbon lemon. Okay, so that's that's the one that's easiest to bake, you know, like make uh, lemon products with. Well, and see, in here in the desert, it has a little thicker rind. It's going to be a little bumpier, you know, when they're grown. We have different districts where we grow citrus. So if you're getting one out of California in the Central Valley, it might be a little smoother. Well, no, smoother. I'm actually getting most of them from my neighbors. Well, then and you're, then the you're almost, you know, 80% chance you're getting Lisbon lemons. Okay, Perfect. I have a question about grass. Uh-huh. You said, like, I left my Bermuda grass because it never comes back really well. So, and I did have nut grass. <clears throat> so I sprayed it. Excuse me. In the in the fall, I sprayed it for nut grass, and I got some of it. But um, then. I, I'm getting frost every morning, uh-huh. so I, I and I'm getting a little Bermuda back around the trees. But um, when when can I spray for the nutgrass again? Not till it's really actively growing. The best time to spray nutgrass is going to be around March or April. March or April, and also I'm getting because I've always overseeded. I'm getting this stuff, and I can remember my dad calling it like wheatgrass. 
It's not nut grass, but it's got a well. You get six week grass. Uh, it grows for six weeks in here in the desert. The desert's going to be full of it this year because of the. And if you're anywhere around where you have open desert by you, no, um, no, no. I this. I'm in Central Phoenix. I'm right uh, on Seventh Avenue. Yeah. But it's. I don't know. A lot of the neighbors have it, and they don't control it. And I've sprayed it like you know the weed in the in the grass, and it doesn't touch it. It's a grass. Well, yeah. How do you so get the grass rid of it? Is, you, you can get um there's a monterey um nut or not nut grass but uh some a monterey uh, grass killer crab grass killer but it depends if it's crab grass or what it is it isn't crab grass well it and the, pro- the problem is lucy is your selective herbicides are not going to work you know because yeah, they're going to go grasses well you know, what will touch it your bermuda grass will come back you know when it gets hot and the bermuda grass will choke it it'll die out and the bermuda grass will come back up and it it can come back every year there's a lot of annual grasses that can grow in our lawns i'm going to let you go so i get oh. some more callers but thanks for the Thank call you. bye-bye uh let's see next up we have scott in phoenix hello scott hey brian long time listener big fan hey listen uh i got another grass question so we uh, moved into a total fixer upper backyard and we want to put down the artificial turf mm-hmm. and my wife's to do it yourself or i want to pay somebody to do it but it looks like we're doing it ourselves so um, what is the best machine? Is there a machine or something that you can rent to help dig up the existing? It's just dead Bermuda grass right now, but it looks like it's going to be very difficult to get up. It's kind of impacted down. And I was wondering if there's some sort of machine to make the job a little bit easier. And what's the process? So, Scott, it's not dead. It's just sleeping. Yeah, yeah. Bermuda grass is going to come back with a vengeance. But what we would normally use is rent a sod cutter. And what okay. a sod cutter does, it comes through, you get it wet, especially if you have an irrigation system, to sprinkle it off. Yep. And then you come down and you take off the top inch of the soil along with the okay. sod, okay? And then you roll it up and throw it away. Just like if you were going to cut, you know, good sod and put it down, you're just cutting the old sod. So you'd want to scalp it short, get it wet, and a sod cutter, you can come in and set it down to about an inch deep. And that'll be pulling up about three inches, three quarters of an inch of dirt, you know, along with that top the sod on the top and if you'll do that you're taking up all the surface so you're taking most of the seed and most of the bermuda grass away at the same time okay and then any just home like a you know home depot Lowe's or somebody rents just uh, Uh, i I know that a A to z rentals has them for sure i'm not sure if the big boxes carry them or not yeah i'll check that out hey brian thanks a lot man i appreciate it thank you have a nice weekend bye-bye you too bye-bye oh let's see next up we got ralph in north phoenix hello ralph Hey, good morning. How are you? Great, sir. How are you? Excellent. Great program. And I'm sure you've beat this subject to death, but I'm going to ask one more time. I have a three-year-old orange, three-year-old grapefruit, and the fruit is just like little softballs. It's just terrible. I'm, I'm sure they're getting enough water, but I don't know what else I could do, if anything. Well, it kind of depends, Ralph, you know, what the right, if they are in the right rootstock and stuff. But, you know, citrus, typically when it's young, the quality of the fruit's not going to be near as good as it is after a few years anyway. You say they're three-year-old trees. You planted them three years ago or they were three-year-old trees when you bought them? Or? Well, I planted them three years ago. They were about, uh, I don't know the age, they were about uh, two feet tall. A little five-gallon ones? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the problem is you're not really sure what the rootstock was. And, uh, right. you know, so it's just going to take some time. So, you know, I, I would give them another year or two. Put, you know, with those little trees, if you want to want them to grow their fastest, put them on a regular fertilizer program where you feed them once a month from February through October and make sure they're uh-huh. not wanting for water in the summertime, at least watered once a week. And uh, you yeah, just kind of have to see of water. what they're doing. I'm not a, I'm, yeah. 
Okay. But the problem is, I, is that when you buy those little trees, you don't know, you know, if you buy especially like a navel orange, and if it's on a lemon rootstock, uh, the fruit quality is not going to be very good. I mean, you have to have the right kind of tree grafted to it. So you're pretty safe with a lemon or lime or, or red grapefruit, but like an Oro Blanco grapefruit or, you know, some of the tangerines or navel oranges. or Those really need to be on a different type of rootstock to produce good quality fruit. And, and then the problem is sometimes you don't know what the rootstock is. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll be ripping them out and coming to you for some new trees. Well, the nice part about this time of year is you can come in and taste the fruit on the tree. So you know what you're yeah. getting. Cool. All right. Okay, cool. Thanks, Ralph. Thanks, Ron. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, Robert in North Phoenix. Hello, Robert. Oh, Robert. I got to say goodbye. I'm out of time. But, oops, Robert gave up anyway. Hey, y'all. Appreciate you being part of the program. Love each other. Be kind. And we'll be back next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.